Amen. Of course, as you have heard, um, yesterday was the um, memorial service for the mother of Ashley Harris, Amanda Bailey, and Brent Bailey. And so we want to continue to pray for them. And uh, this afternoon at 1 p.m., uh, we'll be joining Deacon Early um, in their funeral service for his mom. So we want to remember the Johnson and the Bailey uh, family uh, as these families grieve uh, such a great loss in their lives. And so let's remember them uh, in prayer, please. Our text is taken today from the Epistle of Philippians. We'll be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 to 11. That's Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 to 11. And it reads as follows. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. We will complete our series, Why? Did you leave us today? Why did you leave us? Let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we glorify your name. We thank you that you have loved us and called us unto yourself through your son. And Father, I ask that you would anoint me that I might minister your word, your truth to all your people who are hearing. And I pray that in hearing your word, we would be transformed and we would follow you and join you in your mission as we see our great God who has ascended on high. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why did you leave us? So the first message in our series, we explained that Jesus left for our benefit John 16, 7, he said, it is for your advantage. It is to your advantage that I leave because if I do not leave, the comforter, the helper, the spirit of truth will not come. And so he left for our benefit that he might give to us the spirit of God who would help us to live out his purposes in this world, help us to serve, help us to love one another. We need the Holy Spirit. And so he left 
so that his spirit would dwell within us individually and us corporately in the church. Last week, we explained that Jesus left to fulfill his calling as the eternal high priest. Remember in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, he says, now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. And so Jesus left that he might continue his ministry as the eternal high priest for God over his people. He is living to pray for us continually. He is saving us and drawing us to the Father continually under his ministry as the eternal high priest. But today, I would like us to examine his calling to embrace his reign as the divine king. Jesus came and became fully human so as to deliver humanity from the captivity of Satan. He was born in this world as a man. He was fully human. Everything Jesus did as a man was an example for all humanity who have been called to live by the help of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and he walked in this world as one filled with the Holy Spirit to set an example for all of us. Remember, Jesus was born by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed his mother Mary and placed the seed of of the Spirit in her and that seed was Jesus Christ. And you and I are born of the Spirit. When we yield to the Lord who calls us to follow him, he gives us a new heart by the Spirit and he is alive in us. Jesus ministered, uh, Jesus overcame temptation and lived a sinless life By the help of the Spirit, he lived a holy life. When he went to the cross, he went as a as a perfect lamb, one without spot or wrinkle, the spot or stain of sin. He did not yield to Satan in temptation. Instead, he overcame temptation. He triumphed over the enemy. Why? To set an example for you and I. Jesus ministered to mankind by the power of the Spirit, healed the sick, raised the dead, made disciples, all in the power of the Spirit, setting an example for us. And then when he died, the Bible says in in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit of God raised him from the dead. In fact, the Scripture says what? The same Spirit that raised him from the dead, that same Spirit will raise up our mortal bodies. All of this was to set an example for humanity. He did this to address the needs of you and I. Now look with me at our text in Philippians 2 and 4, because in Philippians 2 and 4, uh, 
Paul calls the disciples to follow Jesus's example of sacrificing our wants and wishes so that we can benefit others. He says, let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It reminds me of Luke chapter four. Remember in the gospel of Luke chapter four, where the devil tempts, tries to tempt Jesus to sin. And uh, in one of the last temptations, Jesus says to him, uh, so Satan says in Luke four and seven, if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. He's well, let's start up a little bit earlier. Verse five. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered him, you shall worship the Lord your God. Him only will you serve or shall you serve. Jesus says this because he understood. I came to serve the purposes of humanity. I came to overcome you so that this, so that mankind could know through me they can overcome the devil. And so Jesus set this as an example, both for us to serve others, but also to understand that we can overcome the evil one if we depend upon the spirit of God and do not yield to temptation. And so all of this was an example for us. Where is this going? Well, you have to understand that Jesus incarnation is the epitome of self-sacrifice. And so as we look at our passage here and we're asking why did we leave us, we have to understand Jesus sacrificed everything that he might come here as a man. He literally came in human flesh to live as a man, as a human like you and I, so that he might serve us and deliver us. Before he came as a man, he was the son of God living with the father and the spirit in heaven, but he sacrificed that. And so here comes our passage. It is called the kenosis passage, Philippians 2, 7 and 8. Let's read it. It said again, it says, but Jesus emptied himself. We'll start with verse six, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to grasp. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so what we are seeing here in this passage is Jesus came here in the form of man because he loved us and he was willing to do whatever it took to save mankind from the devil and to bring us back into relationship with the father. He left heaven so that he could come with us to serve our purposes, to serve our needs, to give glory to God his father by loving us and delivering us out of the power of the evil one. And so what we need to see here is that when Jesus emptied himself, he literally set aside his divinity. 
Yes, he is the son of God. Yes, he is God. But he set aside his divinity so that he would live in this world like you and I. He did not tap into his divinity. Some of you will say, but he did awesome miracles. He did it by the spirit of God. He needed the spirit to do that because he set aside his divinity that he might serve our interests to deliver us. So when Jesus died upon the cross, having satisfied all the requirements to save you and I, to deliver us, then the scripture tells us he was raised from the dead by the spirit. And when this happened, when he fulfilled all of the requirements to deliver you and I, then what does Philippians 2 tell us? Starting in verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. You, what does it mean, highly exalted him? This he's referring to the ascension. He, Christ went back to heaven and he was exalted and he sat on the right hand of the father and he's been given a name that is above every name think about exodus 20 and 7 do not take the lord's name in vain it is saying that god is above all of humanity and god has a name that is worthy and you ought not to defame him by taking his name in vain but jesus has a name that you and i don't even know because it's not it's too glorious to even whisper in our ear when you have to understand when Jesus served his purposes on earth, he ascended back to the father that he might embrace his divinity. And we really have a hard time grasping the glory of Jesus's divinity. He's got a name that you that's so holy, that's so special. We can't even know it. But the Bible says the time is coming that when that name is said, Every knee will bow. Some of us are too proud to bow our knees to God, but your knees will break because the glorious name of Jesus will bring everybody to their knees. The Bible says everything in heaven will bow and everything on earth will bow and every under the earth. Hell is going to bow down because Jesus has ascended to the father, has been honored and glorified because he has served the glorious purposes of the father on earth and so now he has come back to heaven like the prince taking the throne taking the crown taking the glory that is due to him he left us because he is embracing his divinity. You need to see scripture has been looking forward to the day when the Christ would come and embrace his divinity. You need to understand we are in a special time where Christ is reigning and all of creation is waiting to see the full manifestation of the reign of God. Turn with me to Daniel chapter seven for a second. Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 to 14. This was a prophetic passage that looked to the ascension, to the glorious ascension of Christ when the Messiah would return victorious to heaven to take his throne. Look with me in Daniel chapter 7 starting at verse 9. As I looked, thrones were placed and the ancient of days took his seat. 
His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him and a thousand thousands served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. I want you to skip down to verse 13. And I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should what? Serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom, one, his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. And this is actually a different vision. So one is seeing the reign of God the Father who will bring about the judgment of those who rebel. But the, what we are seeing in verses 13 and 14 is actually precedes the judgment of the Father. It is the reign, it is the ascension and reign of the son. When he comes back and the ancient of days, the father receives the son who has served victorious on earth. He is called here one like the son of man and he ascends to heaven. He is escorted to his throne next to the ancient of days and he has left us for his gloriously earned throne. See, when he was on earth, taking the form of man, he was earning the glory that he would receive as the king when he ascends. In Ephesians chapter 1, 18 to 23, Paul alludes to it where he says, having the eyes of your understanding and the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he, the Father, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and listen to this, seated him had his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills in all Jesus ascended to embrace his divinity, the one who has all power and authority, who is over every kingdom and all of creation, the one who has a name that is above every name. He earned his glory as the king, and when he sacrificed himself on your behalf and my behalf, he ascended to heaven to receive it. Bridge of Hope, he left us because he was called back to embrace the divinity he laid down when he lived as just man on this earth. So now that he is the divine king, we've got to ask, well, what is his role? I want to tell you his role 
is to reign. He left us to reign. I had, as I've been praying and thinking through the ascension and studying through the ascension, I, I'm looking back at passages that we read all the time, but I'm reading them in light of the ascension of Jesus Christ. And I am amazed at how everything points back. This is the day of the ascension where he is reigning in heaven. Look with me in Matthew 28. This is where we get the mission of the church, the great commission, right? All power is given unto me. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But before he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, what does he say in verse 18? All authority in heaven and on earth. So he is speaking when he speaks with his disciples. He is speaking, understand, I have satisfied all the requirements on earth and now I am speaking out of authority. Now, the irony is he spoke this before he received the glory that he was, that he was to be uh, to embrace when he ascended back on high. But he was letting us know what was going to take place. He, it, it's, it's like I, this is mine. It, it, this week we had the NFL draft. And uh, beginning on, I believe it was Thursday. And so some players were drafted. Do you know people made purchases? They bought cars. They bought houses. This was before they signed contracts with the team. But because they had been drafted, the banks already knew that they were good for whatever check these athletes would cash. And so they bought cars in the name in their name because they knew they were going to receive the cash from the teens. So they were able to buy it ahead of time. In the same way in Matthew 28, Jesus is able to speak out of the authority that he has when he ascends on high. He spoke before he ascended, so but he spoke with a knowledge and a revelation that I will receive this glory and so I can command you. And so he says, all power, my God, you have to understand. When he said all power, you have to understand that the Niagara Falls, which is a powerful expression of the waters of the earth. When he said all power, at that moment, he could call the walls to stand still. Think of the sharks, think of the lions, think of the elephants. He can say all power, everything has to stand still. Think of the wars, think of the nations, Think about those with nuclear armor heads. He said, all power, with all power. He said, I have all authority and I have all power and I'm going to speak out of my kingship. I'm going to speak out of my lordship. I'm going to speak out of my divinity. Church of God who belongs to me, all power in heaven and on earth. And heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I commission you as my subjects, my servants, my people, my children. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach them all things I've commanded because I will be with you. You have my word. I am the king and I'm reigning. And so when he commands us to go and make disciples... He is commanding us out of his divinity. He's commanding us not out of his humanity, but out of the office of Jesus Christ, the King. Oh, yes. Look with me with Ephesians 
chapter four. We I, I when I went back to Ephesians and I saw this passage, all the passages I've been reading and in light of the ascension. Listen to this. He says in verse eight, chapter four. Stop, start with uh, verse seven in chapter four of Ephesians. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? And he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. He says, when he ascended on high, and he poured out the spirit among the church. He also gave gifts, enabling the church to build the body up and to evangelize the world and make disciples of the world as his people. And so what's he doing? He's reigning. He's commanding the church. He's calling the church to serve him. He's calling the church to do the ministry of the kingdom of God. He is on the throne as our divine king and he is leading and reigning from the throne, calling you and I to serve out of the gifts that he has enabled us to serve with. He is reigning through us. And so as we surrender and preach and make disciples, his kingdom is expanding. And see, this is why we can't just have we can't just have attendees. We have to make disciples. In other words, the kingdom of God is not being done. Christ is not being glorified because the room is full of people. Christ is being exalted. His king is being, his kingdom is being extended as the church makes disciples because he's on the throne. We, we can't cheat. We can't pay people to come to church. We can't give them a gas card if you come to church. We can't bribe people to sing for the choir or play instruments or preach or do a testimony. It'll sound good. No, 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 no. We, 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 we can't baptize people who aren't living for Christ. They'll just go down wet and come up wet. But no, we got to make disciples because our king is reigning and calling us to serve him. Hallelujah. He is the divine king reigning in our midst. And I want you to see we must recognize who is reigning. Look with me in Psalm chapter 2. In Psalm chapter 2, let's start at verse 1. Why do the nations rage, the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Who's the anointed? The son. Look at verse four. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. He says, as for me, I have set my king on Zion my holy heel. Jesus is reigning and the world is 
setting itself against God, but Jesus is reigning. He has been set on the heel to serve the purposes of God. Look with me at verse 10 to 12. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. The people of the earth, the leaders of the earth, the kings, the monarchs, the, the prime ministers, the presidents, the Congress, the leaders, the governors, the mayors. Listen. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord. Serve the king with fear and rejoice with trembling. And listen to verse four. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. He's saying, you know, one of the one of the words used in the Bible, pronusco for kiss is worship. Kiss is to honor him. It is to give praise to him. It is to surrender to him. That's why Romans 12 uh, verses one and two says, I beseech you, beloved brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. It is holy and acceptable unto God as your true act of service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be renewed. Give your bodies to him because Jesus is reigning. He has earned the glory that is due. He is reigning through the church. We must surrender to the gospel and not just believe it, but serve him, follow him, and give him our lives. Give him your hands, give him your mind, give him your eyes, give him your feet. Kiss him, worship him with your body, with your life. He is our king. One of the key passages we had said a few weeks ago that is one of only two that actually records the exact event of the ascension is Acts chapter 11. And Acts chapter 11 says something very important about the one who has ascended to the father and taken his rightly place as the divine king. Listen to what it says, Acts chapter one, verse 11. The Bible says this, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Do you hear that? The Lord who ascended, who is reigning, who we must kiss and worship and surrender our lives to. That same God who, who's earned the worship and the glory that he has received in heaven. That same Jesus is coming again. So he lived a life on this earth, surrendered his divinity. And because he surrendered his divinity, even unto death on the cross, he was raised up, ascended to the Father, given his rightful divine place in heaven and is sitting on the throne, ruling in our midst. This same king who the Bible said, sit at my right hand until I put, make your enemies your footstool. This same King Jesus is going to return in the same way they saw him go. It's the same way they're going to see him come. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, 
He says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Behold, this Jesus, this king of the earth, he is coming with the clouds. And when he comes, every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and put him on the cross and rejected him as king and denied his lordship and ignored his divinity and made and mocked his reign. He is coming on the clouds, the same clouds that took him into heaven, the same cloud he's going to come again. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And verse eight, these are the words of Jesus. I am the alpha, the omega. I am the beginning and the end. Who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. Jesus left that he might return. It's been a few weeks now. Easter has passed. And before Easter was Good Friday, and before Good Friday was Palm Sunday. Remember the distinguishing fact of Palm Sunday was Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the king, as the, as the king on a donkey. The message of peace, the message of mercy. Well, when he returns on the clouds, it will not be in mercy. Revelation 19, 11. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse the one sitting on it called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he is a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Church, he is coming again. He left to return, but he's, he left as Christ, the man who died for us as a lamb. But he's returning as the glorious king and warrior who has defeated the armies of the world. And he's coming to judge the rebellious, the ungodly, the wicked. In fact, this is very important. Do you know when he comes, he will take us or rapture us to him, translate us from these mortal bodies to a glorified body? And the Bible says he will return. Look with me in Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter four says, behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. 
The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Now listen to this. And you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. Do you understand what it's saying? When Christ returns, he's not just returning to bring us. He's returning to bring us to himself. The shout of the trumpet will go forth. The dead in Christ shall arise and we who remain will be caught up to meet him in the heavens. But do you understand that we will be judged, that we will be transformed? And what is that judgment is not to death. That judgment is to glory. And then he's going to come one day and judge the world. And the Bible tells us that you and I will judge the world. First Corinthians, he rebukes them because they don't understand their role. He says, when one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, you are incompetent to try trivial cases. He's saying, listen, get your house in order. Stop fighting with the world and stop fighting with one another and then taking each other to court. You don't understand this world is not worthy to judge us, not because we're better, but because we have yielded our lives to the true king and judge. And he will transform us and he will bring us to a place where we will judge. Remember what, second, what Philippians chapter two says. He has been given a name that is above every name. And every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Church, he left to return in glory. And he will bring us to himself with him. Bridge of hope, our king is returning. I don't know what you have received over these last few weeks, but as I've been looking in the word, even apart from messages, I have been moved by our Lord who has ascended on high, who has loved us so much that he has cared for us in his absence, who is ministering to us constantly, but who is also seated as the king, the glorious king, and he has earned his glory. And he will return with all power and glory that you and I can't even fathom. Here's the question. When the king comes, will he be your king? On that day, we can't like him. On that day, we can't agree with him. On that day, we can't say, you know, you're my man, Jesus. No. On that day, we should already have been worshiping him, yielding to him, glorifying him, surrendering, fasting, praying, waiting, loving, kissing the king. Will that be said of you, my friend? Will that be said of you, my sister? Will that be said of you, my child? That we are 
honoring the king. Father, today, what a day that will be when our Jesus we will see, when we look upon your face, the one who saved us by your grace. That glorious day we will see you in all your fullness. We will shake, we will tremble, but we will with gladness of hearts rejoice because the king has returned to bring us unto himself. The king has come to judge the wicked, to judge the arrogant, to judge the ungodly, to judge the immoral, to judge the rebellion. God, I pray today that we would not be found among that sort. I pray, Jesus, when you say, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I not do many things in your name? You will, I pray, God, you will not say of us, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I didn't know you. My God, today I pray. I pray today for your mercy because this is the day of mercy. I pray, O oh Christ, who is on the throne, that you would bring us back to you, that we would surrender, that we would serve you as our Lord and King, so that when you return, God, we rejoice and are not ashamed. Today, may all who are hearing this word return to you, be reconciled to you, kiss you, our King, kiss you who are glorified, kiss you who are at the right hand of the Father, worship you, surrender to you, God, today. May we confess our sins. May we turn from our sins. May we leave rebellion, leave idolatry, lead our pride and our arrogance and worship you who have been exalted above all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Worship the King, Bridge of Hope. Worship our King.